0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ in Northampton, Pennsylvania. My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday sermons. I pray that they will be a blessing to you and if you're ever in the area, please stop in and worship with us. We'd love to have you. O Lord open unto us the gates of repentance we give her of life for our spirit rises early to pray toward your holy temple. We the temple of our bodies, all defiled, but in your compassion purify us by the loving kindness of your mercy. Amen. So it's great to see you all here on this uh, wonderful Wednesday evening. Thanks so much for coming out. We had a, a great service last week for Ash Wednesday. Uh, if you're interested in what we talked about, uh, you can see that online. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page and click on it, or you can go to SoundCloud or iTunes, whatever, and... Uh, Go ahead and, and, and click on that. It's called uh, "Only that the Penitent Man Will Pass," and I'm not going to explain that title to you. If you're a movie nerd, you'll get it. If you're not a movie nerd, well, uh, it, you'll, it'll uh, be explained if you listen to it. But it's it's there. So if you want to know what we did last week, uh, we can do. That. We had a wonderful time. I really like these Wednesday services because they're more intimate, I think, and people come and sit up towards the front, which I really like. So thank you for sitting up towards the front. You're very brave, and I appreciate it. But I really like I do like the Wednesday ser- The services, the smaller, more intimate. And uh, uh, yeah, there's something special about them. But I, as I was preparing for this, I was uh, coming back to this text here uh, in Mark about Jesus being baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, we focused on that already a, a few weeks ago. Uh, so I kind of want to focus on verses 12 to 15. I'll just reread it quickly. The spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. And after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time was fulfilled that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel or the good news. So in these few verses here, immediately after his baptism, Jesus, it says, is driven into the wilderness it's very abrupt language and you, it's very common in mark but it, in other versions will say in other gospels it says and the spirit led him into the wilderness right but in mark it doesn't say the spirit led him it says the spirit drove him into the wilderness almost as if the spirit was compelling him to go into the wilderness why well To be tempted tempted by Satan. Thanks a lot, Spirit, for leading me into the wilderness. And now I've got to immediately face a tempter while I'm fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. So we know from the the, the story, Mark doesn't give some of the information that the other gospel accounts do. Because he wants to get rights to Jesus' ministry. But there's a couple of things we can still uh, pick up from here. So we ask ourselves this question, what's the big deal about the wilderness? Well, I think we can look at the example of the children of Israel to find out what's the deal with the wilderness. There's a a theologian named Maloney. He says that the wilderness is a place where Israel had refuge against aggression, as well as being the place where they met God. So the wilderness is this place where they were tempted and fell into sin, but it was also a place where they met God and had refuge. But in their mind, in those days, the wilderness was also considered a place where evil spirits were thought to dwell, like wild spirits would go out into the wilderness, which is why it kind of makes sense when you think about why was John the Baptist out in the wilderness before his ministry began? Because he's, he's out there kind of, you know, fighting, I guess. Uh, and Jesus, in this capacity, goes out as well into the wilderness and like Moses, right? Moses went into the, to the into the wilderness. Who else went into the wilderness? Elijah. He goes into the wilderness. Jesus goes into the wilderness as well. But when Moses went into the wilderness, he disobeys God and he's barred from the Promised Land. And when Elijah goes into the wilderness for forty days, he goes because he's scared. So th- <laughs> he had just called down fire, right, on the on the prophets of Baal. And you know, you know the story with the altar and the water and the trench and. The Lord, whose God is God? Elijah calls down fire from heaven. The fire burns up the altar. Everyone's like, Yahweh is the true God. And the part you never hear in Sunday school is after that, Elijah takes all of the prophets, takes a sword and kills them all. Yeah. And then after he does that, think about it. He just calls down a fire from heaven, right? Jezebel, the queen hears about it and she's like, I'm going to kill you. And he hears about it and he runs, right? So Moses, we know he disobeys God. God says, speak to the rock. And he hits the rock instead because the children of Israel make him angry. You want water? Fine, I'll give you water. And he's barred from the promised land. But so unlike those two, though, Jesus doesn't succumb to, to temptation. Jesus is driven into the wilderness, the place where testing takes place, as well as the place where God revealed himself to his people. And unlike Israel and unlike Israel's heroes, Jesus resists the temptations of the enemy and reveals himself as the Messiah. So Jesus's resistance in the desert, I think, undoes the capitulation of Adam. And thus he begins his ministry. It says the time is fulfilled. In other words, God's promises to you, God's promises to your forefathers are now at hand. Repent, turn to God and believe the good news. So we ask ourselves, why is this account important, right? Mark gives no details. You know, so in Matthew and Luke, there's details uh, about what happens at the temptation. So I'm not going to fill in the blanks, um, but I want to talk about three parallels between us and Christ in the story. So the first parallel is baptism. Jesus is baptized and the Spirit comes upon him. Uh, we are baptized. Cindy read the scripture, uh, for First Peter. Baptism now saves you, which was a really tough scripture for me, uh, Back when I was non-denominational, but baptism saves, Scripture tells us, right? Based on the pattern of Jesus, Jesus is baptized and the Spirit comes upon him. When we are baptized, this is our entrance into the kingdom of God. This is our cleansing from sin. This is where we are sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is the moment where we are justified by God's free grace. The Spirit comes and lives And abides in us. And in the wilderness. The wilderness for us I think brothers and sisters is the world. Now let me ask you. Is the world solely an evil place? No. The world is not solely an evil place. Christianity has always held that even though the created order is fallen, even though the created order is in need of restoration, St. Paul says in Romans 8 that it groans, it's waiting for the revealing of the sons of God, right? Even though that that's happening, creation is still good even though it's fallen. So like Jesus is revealed to be the Messiah in the wilderness, we see Jesus revealed through our words and our deeds to those journeying with us. But we don't just see God in our world, right? When we're in the wilderness, we don't just have that encounter with God. We are also enticed by temptation. We are also tempted by Satan. We are tempted by our fallen human natures. And there are many traps and snares laid out. And if you want to know how you can avoid them, go listen to the Ash Wednesday sermon, because I talk specifically about that. Plug, plug, plug. The third thing is 40 days. This is a significant number in the Bible. A very significant number in the Bible. Oftentimes, it's a long period of time, right? 40 days. And so oftentimes, we will come under long, sustained periods of attack. Sometimes it'll feel like the enemy will just not leave us alone. Have you ever had that happen to you? There's just a thought that won't go away. I've had that happen to me. Has anybody ever had that happen to you? And you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray. And no matter what you say, no matter what you pray, it just will not leave you alone. It dogs you. It dogs at your heels. It nips at you. Sometimes we will have these periods of sustained attack. Or maybe it's that secret sin that we just can't shake. That we just can't, something that we just can't let go of. There's going to be times in our lives, brothers and sisters, seasons where our life is going to be harder than other moments in our life, right? Sometimes in the wilderness, we ha- we have an amazing time. We see God in His goodness, right? And in other times in the wilderness, brothers and sisters, we battle, we fight, sustained by our encounter with God beforehand. And then it says that the angels were with him. We are not alone in our struggle. We have one another. And we even have the angels on our side with us. But most importantly, Christ is with us if we are his. The psalmist reminds us, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. In the the wilderness, we meet God and we meet the tempter. So, who we respond to determines, I think, the quality of our, of our spiritual life. So then we ask ourselves, how then do we respond? And so I say we respond by picking up and practicing counterintuitive devotions. A few years back, there was a movie released and it quickly became a runaway bestseller. It was adapted into a movie, which did really well. And in the book, uh, uh, A well-to-do middle-aged woman divorces her husband she travels to Italy to eat then she travels to India to pray and then she travels to Indonesia to pray some more where she finds love this book which I'm not preaching against I'm just using this as an example right so I'm not like sitting there in the corner thinking about how a ten-year-old book is so terrible right ah but I think that this book is a snapshot of our cultural moment right of how it wonderfully reflects the banal narcissism of the spirit of our age. This focus on ourself. It highlights, I think, a counterfeit to our movement through Lent, right? Particularly our Christian practices, those three activities that we do. Giving, fasting, and praying. And these three things, giving and fasting and praying, I think actively work against the eat, pray, love-isms that rule our culture. So how do we respond to God, contra attempts of the enemy to draw us? Len gives us the answers with those three practices, these counterintuitive practices. Counterintuitive means you don't think that they would work, but you're surprised that they actually do work. So in response to eating, maybe our counterintuitive practice is fasting. St. John Chrysostom says fasting is a most powerful shield against the devil. And after the font of baptism, men should give themselves up not to luxury and drunkenness, but to fasting because it reminds us, brothers and sisters, the words of scripture. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's counterintuitive. Fasting is counterintuitive because we're conditioned to instantly go to the kitchen when our stomach begins to grumble. Sometimes my wife will say, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just getting a snack, but you just had one or I'm going. I'm getting a snack. We're going to eat in an hour. I'm like, yeah, I know. But I just wanted this granola bar to hold me over. You know, we we, the slightest grumbling. We're like, ah, I need a snack on something. I've said this before, but I have a, a priest friend who talks about, and this was weird for me to hear it at first. He talks about in Lent about hunger as being our friend. And he listens to my sermons sometimes. So Father Anthony, if you're listening to this, there you go. I'm quoting you there. But he talks about hunger as our friends instead of something that we should indulge in. And so, well, with each of these practices, what I'm going to do is, and I'll restate this on Sunday, and I'll even do it a Facebook Live video about this, but I'm going to give you three Lenten challenges to choose from, okay? So you can choose which one you want to do. The first challenge is... In regards to fasting, obviously some of us have said, I'm not going to eat this item. I'm going to fast a specific item. So that's fine, right? That's great. So I would say do that or fast a meal a week or a few meals a week, whatever you can do, or don't eat out. Don't go out to eat during Lent. And then the money you would spend on going out to eat, give that to a ministry that feeds the poor. Or instead of spending money on, on groceries to buy a meal to, to make a meal use that money towards to put that aside towards giving to the poor so you can choose all right that's the first practice challenge that i'm going to give you in regards to fasting i'm going to give you three so you have one for well, some for fasting some for giving and some for praying and you can choose which one you want to do or you can do all three whatever you want giving the second one is giving almsgiving right this is obviously donating money or clothes or performing acts of charity for the poor this is counterintuitive right because our culture says acquire get 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 if your neighbor has you know the rav4 then you've got to get yourself the i don't know the ford uh, the ford edge right which is a really nice car or if your neighbor has if you're a chevy person if your neighbor has uh, the equinox then you've got to get yourself you know, the, 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 the Traverse, right? You got to get one bigger. Or if you have a, a Subaru station wagon, you got to get that brand new Subaru SUV that's coming out. We have to acquire, 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 acquire. And giving helps to free ourselves from selfishness. And I just realized right now that some of you have Fords and Chevys, those exact <laughs> models that I was talking about so please don't see that as an attack at all those are just the first things that popped into my head so if you have a Ford Edge great I know Jeanette I know you have Chevy uh an Equinox so that's not a crack at you that was just car that model that popped into my head so please don't come to me afterwards or don't dad I hate him I hate him he was talking about me I wasn't St. Basil the Great said this, It isn't for the sake of clothing or food that riches are a matter of such concern to so many people, but by a certain wily artifice of the devil, countless pretexts of spending are proposed to the rich so that they strive for superfluous, useless things as though they were necessary, and so that nothing measures up to their conception of what they should spend. St. Basil, that's taken from his sermon uh, where he and particularly castigated the rich for not living up to their obligation to help the poor so we are reminded brothers and sisters by the words of saint basil in the words of scripture that most of our stuff is superfluous and unnecessary right a lot of the stuff that we have we need a lot of the stuff that we have we really don't need and so the second lenten practice challenge i'm going to give you is 40 days of uh i don't know I, i'm not good with rhyming stuff but what I'd like you to do is this. Take a garbage bag. And I'm gonna, this is the one I'm going to do. Take a garbage bag. And then for the next 40 days, we, 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 from, we'll go back a couple of days because we missed Sunday, Nash, Wednesday, or whatever. But for 40 days, take one item from your, from your closet. Put it in the garbage bag. Don't throw it away. Put the garbage bag in the corner, right? Take uh, one item a day for 40 days from your drawer or from your closet for 40 days. And then once Lent is over, take that garbage bag full of clothes or stuff from your drawers and donate it and give it away. The third practice is prayer. Prayer is a response of love from our hearts. Prayer is our communing with God, our communication with God. When we talk to God and and he he talks back to us, prayer strengthens us also in a way that, that, that food can't. It sounds really weird, but there's, there's something to spending time in prayer that energizes you in a way a bowl of, eating a bowl of oatmeal can't. It's really weird. I can't explain it. Prayer helps us to reorg- uh, refocus our hearts towards God. Prayer helps us to keep our attention on God. Prayer helps us to turn to God. And so a Lenten practice challenge for prayer is... Ask yourself this: How much TV do I watch? How much TV do I watch? I can't tell you that. Well, you, you would—you only know. I watch too much TV. We, I think we all do. It's easy to these days, right? Because there's so much interesting stuff on TV. Every time I'm like, "Oh, this show is over," there's a new one. Like, "Oh, I need to watch this now." All right. So Shantae and I watched The Crown and now, oh, season two of The Expanse just came out on Amazon for free. All right. Let's let's turn this on and blaze through a couple of episodes. Do I need to, though? Maybe I could have spent that time praying. So maybe replace some TV time with prayer time. And then in your prayer time, commit to praying for two things. The first thing commit to praying for is for our church. Every day for 40 days, pray for our church. Pray for the. Pray for me, please, and my family, because we 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 covet and need your prayers. Pray for the consistory. Pray for the elders, and pray for every person here. You don't have to do it by name. You're not. I don't. You're not going to know everybody's name, but you'll probably know a lot, right? Because most of you know each other. But keep. Keep us in your prayers. Keep the church in your prayer every day. And then commit to also focusing on a specific struggle that you have. Say, I'm struggling with this area. Commit every day to spending some time specifically praying about that. And laying that down. Or trying to lay that down every day. A friend of mine who's also in the ministry. I remember one year with his prayer practice he committed to not saying anything negative which was really hard for him because we worked at a place that was so dysfunctional it was hard not to be negative it was so dysfunctional this place and it was easy for us to be negative and I didn't make the this, this that was his Lenten challenge not mine I was like nah negative 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 but he was like nope Nope, nope, not gonna do it, not gonna do it, not gonna do it, not gonna do it. It was hard for him, but he was able to do it. Focus on something like that. So choose one of those, one of those three. Or or not choose and make me sad. But use this time wisely. Use this lent to develop those counterintuitive devotions that on the surface don't seem to make sense. Giving up food doesn't make sense. Going hungry for a little bit of time doesn't make sense to those outside of the church. But for us, these are practices that God has given to sharpen us spiritually so we can learn to identify with Christ and we can learn to identify with those who are in in need of Christ. And so to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be all glory together with his father who is from everlasting and his all holy good and life-giving spirit. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Mike Lansman. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ. You know, we have deep roots here in the local community and our history is fascinating in that we predate the founding of the United States itself. If you're interested in worship that is traditionally grounded and scripturally faithful, come visit us. We may just be the church for you. You can find us online, ZionstoneUCC.com, or you can look us up on Facebook, ZionstoneUCC. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at malandsman at gmail.com. Again, God bless you. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope to have you visit our church in the near future.